The spin is supported by NatWest. Why? Because NatWest loves cricket. The skills it teaches and the communities it creates and want it to be easy for everyone to get involved. To find out about how NatWest is helping make cricket open to all, search NatWest Cricket. It's the spin! Hello, you are listening to the Spin Podcast. Um, this is me, Charlie Baker. I'm here as a guest today, but I've come into the room where we record and Emma's just face down on the floor in what looks like a pool of Sri Lankan lager. Just sobbing, saying things like, I hate cricket, stupid podcast, I hate Mike Atherton. Anyway, I'll, we'll find out. I'll try and sober her up and we'll go after this on the Spin Podcast. Okay, let's do this. England have gone from their belligerent best to an utter horror show at Headingley. They've lost again to a team they really should have beaten. We're all still in shock, but we'll pick through the bones of this game and try to work out what it means for Morgan's men. Plus, we'll ask what's the one piece of memorabilia you would love to own? And is there ever an excuse for leaving a game early? It's the spin! I'm Emma John and this is The Spin, the cricket podcast from The Guardian, which at 40 minutes is still slightly shorter than the Bangladesh national anthem. Sitting around the boundary of our oval table today, comedian Charlie Baker is at deep extra cover. Guardian writer Simon Burnton is fielding at long off. I'm at my usual position in cow corner. And today, even that joke isn't going to make me smile. Simon, you have been doing the over by over report for The Guardian on yeah. this England-Sri Lanka game that's just finished and I'm still feeling quite tender and I'm not really ready <laughs> to tell people what happened. Could you please just describe it for us? Essentially, Sri Lanka scored slowly and put together a total that looked far from formidable and then England dutifully set about making it appear formidable. And all looked in control until Moeen Ali got out, hold out to long on and then it all collapsed pretty quickly from there. Yeah, things went the shape of a pear. Yes, they kind of fell apart somewhat. And so England have lost again for the second time. Still look, I mean, not comfortable, given that the, they've got the three toughest games of the group stage to go and that they are two points clear of Sri Lanka now. They're not comfortable in their semi-final slot. It adds a bit of, I would say, not unwelcome spice. It would be a horrible way for England to get eliminated from the tournament, but they're not that... Yet. Well, we've been saying, many of us all week, that this tournament needed some upsets. I didn't mean this kind of upset. <laughs> um, Charlie, are you as upset as I am right now? No, if, one, if cricket's taught me one thing, it's patience. And the way this format works is we've got, we've got weeks of it yet. We've got weeks of games yet. Unwelcome Spice, by the way, Simon. Is, is she the one who didn't turn up <laughs> at Wembley this week? Is that... Um... <laughs> One of the ones. One of the ones, yeah. I will say as well, not to maximise my importance with the England cricket team, but last time I was on this podcast, we just lost to Pakistan. That is <laughs> and correct. Now, and now we've just lost to Sri Lanka. It, so. I mean, it is true that normally at the end of a defeat like this, you do kind of look around and ask the big questions, what went wrong, who is to blame? And in this case, I definitely think that you sitting watching the game alongside me saying, oh no, we're going to be fine, everything's yeah. going to be fine, mm. and your insane optimism <laughs> as England required whatever it was, 50 runs with one wicket remaining, yeah, um, we, well, we, we should be able to do it. 
v Sri Lanka, who particularly so far haven't been very good, have they? So we should actually be able to do it. We bat very deep. We should be able to do it. Yeah, England were 26 for two. That should have been the point at which we just pulled it together and just bedded down. Yeah. Well, as soon as Bairstow was out first ball with Vince, the other opener, who no one really is fully confident in, the wobble started early. From there... There was a kind of, I guess, a false sense of security because Sri Lanka hadn't scored very fast and we could just kind of bed in and take it slow and crawl our way to victory. But it didn't take long for the trouble to surface, I think. Vince is a bit of an issue. And as Morgan said after the game, there were no good partnerships, no strong partnerships. Bit like Love Island. In many ways, the, 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 the weakness of this series of Love Island is down to the lack of substantial partnerships. I do think it shows how much we were Jason Roy. Obviously, I mean, that's after the event now, but I do think we missed him in the Afghanistan game as well. Bairstow had all that, the faff with the gloves at the start, you know, coming up. If there's one thing about being an opener, you need to get yourself in, solid, straight, and concentrate on what you're about to do. Came in, change me gloves, change me thing. Oh, and you're out, and then it's over. He was out first ball. Is that his second golden duck of this tournament? Yeah, the, the third of his career and the second of his tournament. Wow. The business with the gloves was weird and spoke to perhaps a slight bit of conceit in the England team. Had he actually forgotten his gloves? I mean, he no. had gloves when he went out, right? Yeah, yeah, he had, he had gloves. He just wasn't very happy about them. And he wanted to change them just before but facing the first ball of an innings. Changing gloves instantly, that is disconcerting. It's not all about England's failings, obviously. You know, Sri Lanka bowl better the longer the innings goes on. You know, their death bowling is famous, has been for a long time. Malinga, who looks like a real slow-motion version of himself, <laughs> bowled brilliantly. And it, and it really is a thrill to watch him sometimes, you know, knowing that he's mid-30s now, I think 35, probably in the very last stages of his World Cup career, past his best, as we can all see. And you've got to enjoy these moments of being able to... Like, you wouldn't want him to produce it as an Englishman. You wouldn't want him to produce it today. But it was a pleasure to watch him. As a man, the other, just slightly the other side of 40, and with a similar physique to <laughs> Mr Malinga, he is the sort of player you do watch and go, see, I could still do it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I've still got time. It's funny, isn't it? Because with England batting as deep as they do, you do always think, well, it's, you know, Bairstow is out first ball. OK, fair enough. James Vince, I mean, I would have expected that from James Vince anyway, out again for a, a small sum, wafting at a drive. And Seemed it, to be a lot of wafting today. There was a lot of wafting. I actually feel like the point where I felt like the wheels were coming off was when I saw Butler try and waft at the first couple of balls that he got. And mm. that was the point when you thought, well, there's something... Something doesn't look right here because we should be able to just batten down the hatches. What was really weird is that you know, we'd watched almost an entire day's cricket and the story it had been telling us was that this was a pitch on which you can't score quick runs. You know, it's a tough pitch to score on. But then when Stokes really needed to, mm -hmm. he did. So where was everyone else? <laughs> As a, someone who's you know, never been a, a top-level cricketer, it's really hard to understand just how that is. It wasn't all terrible. We should talk about Stokes' innings, which, while it was going on, was felt like the thing that was going to define that game if, yeah. if he had actually pulled it off. It was pretty exciting. Yeah. this uh, I think our producer said that this is where Stokes really wins us all back into his hearts. 
then he ran up the other end and Woods got out. So uh, that was pretty good from the producer. But I thought what was good about Stokes was he showed that he could do it because he saw off Malinga for that one over, played a lovely boycottish sort of innings, just, just padding it away and not taking the one. And then came in and hit a few sixes and hit a couple of fours and then, but then ran out of partners, didn't he? Ran yeah. out of partners. So. But he did look like he knew what he was doing strategically. That was, it felt good to have him in the middle. Yeah, he had it all planned. It was entirely under his control, except for the bits that weren't. <laughs> and that was, the, that was his only downfall, really. That his partners at the other end kept getting out. That he couldn't control the bits over which he had no control. But very unpleasing that they don't seem to have a second plan. They don't seem to have a plan B. And I mm. felt that in a couple of these games. I think that's why I've been getting frustrated is that they do want to go and and play their hitting everything yeah. game, even when the, the situation isn't quite right for it. That is really only... You could say that Murray Nally and Archer are the two that got out holding to the deep. But otherwise, that wasn't particularly the fault today. The people just got out at inconvenient moments. And in particular, there was that one, there was the De Silva over with two wickets, two identical wickets, you know, to such an extent that when the second wicket fell, I thought I was seeing a replay of the first. <laughs> uh, you can't legislate for that. And also, Sri Lanka, they haven't been a really poor team. Obviously, Pakistan have been bad and no one else has lost to them. But Sri Lanka have only been beaten twice. Uh, they've now defended low totals twice. I think that they're fun, interesting. I'm happy to watch to see more of them. This is great. Simon has had a good day. I'm glad that somebody has had a good day out of this. So what next? England are going to face Australia on Tuesday. What do they need to, to do? What do they need to think about before then? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because I think they look really good, Australia. Warner, despite not being on top form, is still the top scorer. I think it could be horrible. <laughs> could be uh, could be as horrible as the prices for the tickets if you try and buy them now. <laughs> uh, Australia do look good. They had that great game against um, Bangladesh. Yeah, I think they look really good. Now, they'll have, they will so want to win on Tuesday. It'll be unbelievable. They have had a couple of games Australia where they, which they have threatened to lose. Obviously, they haven't lost any. But there was the what West Indies game, and when Australia played Pakistan, Pakistan fell a bit short eventually. But for a while, it looked looked like it might be on. The most entertaining thing about the Bangladesh game was Warner coming in, having had lots of flack for his slow scoring and still getting flack on Twitter and social media. And then, you know, going on to score 166 (laughs) runs of 147 and become the tournament's highest run scorer. So maybe we should all stop... Being I, I, think, I think a, the silent treatment on uh, Tuesday would be excellent, wouldn't it? Just absolute silence. Just that Lord's quiet. The hush that descends over Lord's is like no other silence. But when Warner does anything, we just, just Freak like, him out. Like your mum says when she says, I'm just disappointed. I'm not angry. <laughs> I'm just disappointed in you, David. <laughs> no, but I think they look great. I think they've looked the best team so far, to be honest. If you would like to give us your thoughts on England versus Flanker, you can tweet me at M underscore John or email us the spin at the guardian.com we will leave england's loss behind us and we'll talk about some more positive things after this did you know that the first official women's cricket world cup was held in 1973 two years before the men's or that a whole new bowling technique came into play to get around hoop skirts or that the England women's team has won the World Cup twice more than the men's. That's twice. There are lots of things to love and learn about women's cricket. As a part of its push to get everyone playing cricket, NatWest has partnered with The Guardian Labs to tell more stories about the game. 
follow them at theguardian.com forward slash natwest dash cricket. This message was paid for by NatWest. This is a spin, the Guardian's cricket podcast. Now we've all had a little group hug and a breather and we're ready now to move on and talk about a few other things that have caught our attention this week. Women's cricket looks set to be part of the 2022 Commonwealth Games taking place in Birmingham. It'll see teams like England, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand and India compete for a gold medal. It's not the first time cricket's been included in the Commonwealth Games. The men had a go in 1998 when South Africa finished on top of the podium. And the Commonwealth Games is obviously shown on the BBC. So potentially England's women could get better exposure in that competition than the men are getting in this World Cup. Simon, the women won the World Cup last year, but could cricket at the Commonwealth be a game changer for the sport, do you think? I'd be surprised. You know, I, th- I think that women's cricket is on a gradual upwards trajectory. I don't see that changing. But the big multi-sport events like the Commonwealth Games and the Olympics, it's kind of hard for any sport to totally change itself. They're a big showpiece event that tend to be on the track, really. So I guess other than athletics, it's hard to make a name for yourself in these events. When England hosted the Olympics in 2012, I think that did change the game of, of women's football in this country. Suddenly it, it was selling out Wembley. You know, the success it's achieving now, the, the viewing figures on the BBC has all come from that. But I would be surprised if from inclusion in a you know, relatively small scale sporting event, women's cricket were to be transformed. I was thinking about the fact that, you know, women's cricket is actually doing really well to grow the game, to get girls watching the game, I think, to get young women and girls watching the game. Bryony Smith said to us on a previous podcast that it was England women winning the T20 in 2009 that got her into cricket, rather than, for example, the Great Ashes tournament in 2005. And it is where there's a big market still to be gained. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love it when a big showcase event is on, like the Commonwealth Games or the Winter... I mean, during the Winter Olympics, we all become curling experts. You know, every single one of us is sitting, oh, she's left a bit too much there. We don't watch it for the other four years, but, you know, we all become curling experts during the Winter Olympics. And then, and then all of a sudden we forget about curling ever existing. So I think what has to happen is cricket needs to use the platform it gets given and I think it'd be great to be in the Commonwealth Games. I'd like to watch mixed cricket. That's what I liked. I'd like to watch. I think that would give it a really good platform. And if you're going to put it into something like the Commonwealth Games... Uh, or combine it with curling, mixed cricket on ice. On ice, maybe. Mixed cricket on ice. It's, I think that's an ITV uh, show anyway. Yeah. But um, I just think people will play the game if they see it and like it. So you have to give these games the platform. And so if they see cricket in the Commonwealth Games, brilliant. Also this week... Dennis Lilly's famous aluminium cricket bat used in an Ashes test in Perth 40 years ago was auctioned for the sum of £5,200. So I was wondering, both of you, what's the one piece of cricket memorabilia you wish you owned? I guess the one thing I would like is slightly nerdy. So C.B. Fry wrote wrote a couple of books in 1905 and 1906 about the kind of origins of cricket and who played cricket and their techniques. The first one was about batsmen. And the second was about bowlers and fielders. And I've always been 
kind of I, I once had a look at them in the British Library I find them mildly arousing <laughs> and uh, they've got beautiful photographs as well there's a very famous photograph of Victor Trumper which I'm sure you've seen it's really... not kept in the special section of the library <laughs> Just, I, I find uh, writing from that sports writing from that era I find really kind of engrossing and really beautiful clear pictures photographs of people who are beyond living memory, way beyond living memory. I used to have, there were, in the 80s, there were a couple of books of cricket caricatures of the great players of the day, uh, Gowers and Gattings, Lloyd and Haynes and whoever. I used to like going around cricket grounds and charity matches, getting people to sign their photos, their caricatures. And I guess in my dream, I would find a couple of these C.B. Fry books that were inscribed in some way by someone. That stuff is really up my street. More than, like, you go to cricket museums and they've got this old bat... And I'm like, not really, not really my thing. Yeah. And players after games grabbing stumps. I don't see any circumstance where a stump would be interesting. But <laughs> I would. This is one books. of the problems with this World Cup. They've tried to make the stumps interesting <laughs> by putting yeah. lights in them. <laughs> Alistair Cook's stairwell is made of stumps. Is it? That's a, that's a situation in which not is, only interesting, but functional. Is that a Smith song? <laughs> <laughs> Alistair Cook's stairwell is made of stumps. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, when you say the books, do you mean, are they first editions or? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. would be. Yeah. I feel like somebody, you know, out there probably has or knows oh, someone who has them. volume like, one. They're on Amazon. They're listed on Amazon. Yeah. They are expensive. What are we looking at? What are we... They're a few hundred pounds. Oh, okay. okay. So maybe we just need to crowdfund for you. Crowd- to set up a GoFundMe page. That was what I wanted to do for the Lily Cricket bat, actually, oh, right. because it was on for a bid price of £5,000. And I thought, if you get £100 each, yeah. 50 people, yeah. you could have it in your house for one week of a year. You could play with it. You, yeah, you could play with it. Would you, would you, if you had it, would you play with it? Would you frame it? Would you put it on the wall? What would you do, Emma? I mean, I don't think I would play with it because it is aluminium. And I think if too many people played with it, it would bend in half. So is it hollow? It made a tinny sound, didn't Did it? it? When they, well, that was why it ended up getting taken off because Greg Chappell famously... I think there's been an edge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brilly didn't oh. know it was an aluminium yeah, definite bat. edge. <laughs> Don't need Snicko. Yeah, but yeah Brilly only knew that it was an aluminium bat when the first ball was hit with it and he heard the sound and he was like, he went straight to the umpire, there's something wrong there. So so is there a rule that it had to, at that time it had to be wooden? No, there was no, there was no official law that it had to be wooden, which was why Lily got away with it. But then it was was declared illegal afterwards and he ended up because he had it was his he had invested in the company and it, he was oh, right. you know trying okay. to market these bats yeah. so as soon as it was declared illegal he ended up with a garage full of these <laughs> bats that bats. couldn't be used and sold we, we talk about great eras of sport in cricket there was a great era of rule breaking where it was like <laughs> I, we're read through the rules I can do this I'm damn well gonna I'm try I'm gonna do it like underarm bowling yeah. uh, aluminium bats whatever Everything was tried. What about your memorabilia? Charlie? The memorabilia, what would you, what would you I would like. The memorabilia, to have? I would. Uh, I would like Gary Pratt's twelfth man shirt from the Ashes series. Uh, I like a shirt. I like a bit of memorabilia. I like a signed shirt. But I wonder if it still exists. The shirt he came on and ran Ricky Ponting out with. Where is Gary Pratt now? Where is he now? Wonder if he's got the shirt. Wonder if he's allowed to keep it. I think that'd be nicely framed on it, framed on your wall. Do you think he's got the shirt? Probably has, <laughs> but I bet he's not selling it. So who knows? Who knows? What's yours, Emma? Oh, what's mine? Oh, well, I haven't really thought this through, but I think 
Something that Jack Russell had with him during the 185 Not Out. Obviously, okay. not Jack Russell's 185 <laughs> Not Out. During Mike Atherton's 185 right. Not Out at Johannesburg. That has always been, obviously, my favourite innings because it's Atherton's greatest stand. But there's something about Jack Russell's part in it. Yeah. And the, the fact that he really kind of lived up to his terrier name, you yeah. know, in yeah. that moment. And I think he's a wonderful person. So, you know, maybe, I don't know. One batting of his, gloves. Yeah, one of his, like, I don't know, socks or something like that. I, I'm not greedy. <laughs> With so many World Cup games looking done and dusted long before they're officially over in this tournament, we have seen quite a lot of fans leaving early to beat the rush. I mean, we've all done it, but it can be a risky business. Our guest Ian Moore recently admitted that he missed one of the most dramatic days of Test Match cricket ever to occur at Lords in 2000. He had thought it was all over when bad like stopped play on the second day. He headed to the pub and he missed England bowling West Indies out for 54. <laughs> Serves him right. <laughs> so I was wondering, Charlie, have you ever left a game earlier than you should have? Never. Never? You always Never. stick to the I, bitter end? It is, I think the people who leave early from sporting events are the worst people <laughs> and I judge them with every ounce of my being why are you here you're not going somewhere to go home you're here to enjoy the game oh my goodness have you never tried to get into St John's Wood yes. tube station at the end who of a cares? game who cares you're there for the game oh it drives me mad it's my one of my worst things people excuse me excuse, I once well, uh, I went to, went to a football match where we went. Uh, England went 2-0 up after 10 minutes and these two blokes who were late missed those goals Then they left 10 minutes early and they missed two goals right at the end and it was the game finished 2 all, and I didn't see any of the goals. They are my worst people. I just think, get there on time, leave at the end. What is the... It drives me up the wall. Simon, so, there have it. been some there have been some famous moments of journalists missing quite important moments in games because they've left early. I, I don't know if you know this one that that Henry Blofeld was once covering a game between Surrey and Essex, and he had a dinner engagement to go to. <laughs> uh, so an hour before the end of play, he filed his report on the Essex innings, and he just left I think a single line at the end, and that said, you know the end of play Surrey were and then blank for blank so that the subs could fill it in unfortunately Surrey were bowled out for 14 <laughs> <laughs> and we know that that's true because a young Matthew Engel was on the desk when that happened and he had to very quickly use his creativity to uh, to write some extra coffee <laughs> Um, have, do you ever walk out of games? I mean, being an, being an over-by-over writer, you have to stay beyond the bitter end. But yeah. when you're a punter, would you, ever, would you ever walk out a bit early? Only, I have done when I've gone with my kids. I try to indoctrinate them in sport uh, whenever possible. But particularly like 2020 matches, I have taken my, my son to, he's 10 now. And they're, in the evening, they finish quite late and lots of people come out of laws all at once. And I have snuck out a couple of overs from the end. In fact, I would go as far as to say I habitually, when I'm with him, I habitually leave early. Charlie is shaking his head in a disappointed well, fashion. I just don't think we're teaching kids the right thing. I've, I've got to say, if you're going to leave any kind of cricket what? early, 2020 seems a crazy one. You're right, if you miss two overs in 2020, you're missing a tenth of the innings. I'm not judging your parenting. I just think kids need to learn to be bored. We all had to learn it, so I think kids should learn it now. What is cricket for if not to be bored? <laughs> 
Well, I'm afraid it really is time to leave now, but thank you to my guests, Charlie Baker and Simon Burnton. Before I let you go, could we have your predictions for Australia against England on Tuesday, please? Do you think that England are going to bounce back from today and give Australia an absolute walloping just to show them? Well, probably. I think England will win. I do. I think that you know, they're obviously far from perfect, but probably better against a stronger team than a weaker one. You know, some of the flaws we saw today, I think we're down to perhaps a bit of conceit that won't be there when England are playing Australia or India. So I expect improvement and probably England's slight favourites. Interesting. What do you think, Charlie? Do you have them slight favourites? I think it's all on the pitch. First game at Lords, and the trouble is I think Mitchell Stark will be licking his lips at the pitch that they'll probably prepare. I think Australia will win. Um, and if anyone's got any tickets, <laughs> I would really like... Just one, I'll go on my own. I don't mind. I won't leave early, I promise. <laughs> That's what we know about Charlie. He will make the most of that ticket. Next time, comedian Felicity Ward gets a recall alongside fellow Aussie Jeff Lemon and we'll have all the reaction to England's game against Australia. To make sure you don't miss that or any of the episodes to come, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. <laughs> The Spin is supported by NatWest. To find out about how NatWest is making it easier for everyone to get involved in cricket, search NatWest Cricket.